Hello, and welcome to Investigative Postcast, a podcast program from Investigative Post. I'm Jim Heaney, editor of Investigative Post. We're a nonprofit newsroom based in Buffalo, New York, covering issues of importance to Buffalo and Western New York. Today, I'm here with Daniela Porat, a reporter who's been uh, writing about police training or lack thereof in the Buffalo uh, Police Department. You had a story that ran back on uh, October 31st that really detailed uh, how Buffalo has failed to get with the times. Tell us a little bit about what other departments are doing, why they're doing it, and how Buffalo has, has failed to keep up. Well, I think American policing is at an inflection point, and we're moving away from uh, war on drugs kind of policing towards more community policing. And while other departments across the country have embraced that direction, Buffalo is falling way behind. I found in my report that specifically Buffalo is lacking in its firearms and de-escalation training, two areas of great importance uh, considering the current climate of police community relations. Now, all this was really been spurred in departments elsewhere because of what's unfolded in Ferguson and elsewhere where uh, police have shot a lot of unarmed uh, black men, correct? Exactly, and so a lot of police departments are actually folding together their training in firearms and de-escalation so that their officers are prepared to deal with stressful situations out in the field. Buffalo's not doing that. First, Buffalo only does two hours of use of force and firearms training. Compare that to Rochester that this year is doing about 11 and a half. Cincinnati is doing about 20. Uh, So not only are the hours insufficient, but let's look at the quality. The use of force training is a written pass-fail test, and that's just unacceptable for something that is a very physical interaction. So so these other departments are putting people and officers in real-life situations and having them act, act in the real world. Totally. And if we look at, for example, the firearms training that the Buffalo Police Department receives, officers go to a firing range, a target range, and that doesn't simulate real life. Officers are not going to be shooting at a target in a very controlled environment. So what other police departments do is they set up, like you said, real life simulations where they might have to conduct a stop and they don't know what kind of person is in the car and they'll have to maneuver the situation and do so using the least amount of force. What about the de-escalation training? So that has a lot to do with, like you said, the the current climate uh, between police and the public. And that's all about handling situations with the least amount of force. And if an encounter between a police and a civilian, let's say in a car stop, starts to get a bit tense, it's about verbal strategies physical strategies uh, that don't use that much force and prevent a situation from becoming a tragedy. Okay. Um, Now, one of the things I found interesting in your story was the the police union, uh, Kevin Kennedy, the president of the the PBA, uh, I think he used the word starving to describe uh, the fact that his officers really want this training. Talk a little bit about what what the perspective is from the street-level cop. 
Well, this is interesting. We have a case of strange bedfellows. We have the union saying, you know, we're starving for training, and we have community members saying we want our police to get more training. So, from the the holdup, and the holdup is where then? The holdup, I think, is in the city. Uh, the the management of the police department and elected officials who seem to be dragging their feet. Uh, the union, I mean, of course the union would want more training. These officers are being put in life or death situations, and if they don't have the tools, be it physical or verbal de-escalation strategies, a knowledge of how to use their gun in a circumstance where don't know maybe they don't have all of their senses because they're entering a dark house or something like that they're the officers are not prepared to deal with things and that not only puts the public at risk it puts the police officers mm-hmm. at risk so you only you know the the chief of police in the chief Dewaga police department said it well he said you play the way you practice and uh if the Buffalo police don't practice well, then I doubt they're going to play very well. I used to tell my hockey players when I coached youth hockey the same thing. You play like you practice, and it's very yeah. true. Mm-hmm. So so since your story ran, uh, you've gone back and spoken with uh, the mayor and uh, three different common council members who represent the bulk of, uh, of, of the council districts that are predominantly minority, uh, because those are the those are the people in, in potentially in harm's way. So let's start with what the mayor had to tell you. The mayor had a, a quite a lukewarm response. He said everything's fine, and because we haven't had a Ferguson, a Baltimore, a Charlotte in Buffalo, uh, the training is adequate. He also touted the police department's uh, community policing program. That program uh, comprises 11 officers uh, that are labeled as community police officers. What's interesting to note there is uh, that the community policing program does not extend to your rank-and-file patrol officer. um, Who are handling all these calls that are potentially volatile. Exactly. Um, And you really want all of your patrol officers to, in essence, be community police officers because that is where community police relations are created. It's in the stops. It's in the arrests. And if the community doesn't feel like those interactions are done in a respectful way, then the community policing program is insufficient. Now, the the Partnership for the Public Good uh, recently did a report that kind of found some fault with uh, with the with the community policing program. What what did they have to say? Well, they found that the community policing program, because it is limited to a select few officers, just doesn't do what it's supposed to accomplish. And there is a great lack of trust in the police department. Uh, in an open Buffalo survey that was conducted earlier this year. Uh, researchers found that the black community does not trust the police enough, even to call them in an emergency. Less than half would call the police department in an emergency. And so there is this lack of trust in the police department and the small community policing program that involves few officers just won't cut it. Tell me what the councilman started, and let's start with uh, Council President uh, Darius Pridgen. So Darius Pridgen uh, was concerned about the findings, but I wouldn't say that he 
wanted to act on them immediately. He did reach out to Deputy Commissioner Beatty, who is responsible for training in the Buffalo Police Department, to get a detailed curriculum for the 2016 training program. But, I mean, I spoke with him weeks ago, and uh, he, along with Rashid Wyatt, were willing to wait until the Police Oversight Committee at the end of January to raise this end, issue. End of January. So they were... They were content to wait a couple months before taking this up. Yes, and for something that's as serious as uh, policing, life and death. Um, you had a really interesting exchange with uh, Ulysses Wingo, who has been made a little bit of a name for himself by staging protests on the floor of the Common Council uh, against police brutality. Um, let's, let's listen to your exchange with them, with, with him. There's a gulf between police brutality and murder of African-American people who are unarmed with their hands in the air. There's a major gulf between the two. So what I was protesting was the killing of unarmed Americans who, primar who primarily are African-American. So do you think the training in the Buffalo Police Department, from what I've told you and from what you've read in the piece, uh, is adequate? I can't answer that because I am no expert on law enforcement. But you protested police I'm protesting brutality, the devaluing of black lives through the killing of unarmed black women. Which policing is very much part of. Well, listen, <laughs> I'm protesting the devaluing of black lives of which we're talking about now, which leads to other things. And when you are killing unarmed Americans, that is an issue. That is what I'm protesting. Interesting. What, uh, what, what did you take away from that, uh, from that exchange? Well, I actually remember very clearly uh, coming into the office that day and telling you that that interview, uh, Wingo did leaps of logic that were worthy of a Cirque du Soleil performance because <laughs> when I asked him about um, his protest in the context of uh, my investigation into police training, he very clearly said, and I'll roughly quote him, he said there is a big gulf between police misconduct and the shooting of unarmed African Americans. And to give him the benefit of the doubt, I tried asking him again to clarify whether he in fact was exclusively protesting the shooting, so when these encounters become lethal, and he dug deep, he dug further. Um, so it was quite surprising because this training that is lacking in the police department would prevent the very tragic encounters that he is protesting against. Um, and he just said that, no, this hasn't happened in Buffalo. The police are doing fine. And because I'm no expert in law enforcement, I have no say as to what law enforcement should be doing. Yeah, I, I'm going to be curious uh, what the reaction in his community is. P because for someone in his position to basically take the position he has, that I'm all against police brutality, but I don't see a need for more training to avoid police brutality. Well, not police brutality. Well, well worse, only worse against, than police. He was only yeah, against yeah. racism and the yeah. shootings. So. Yeah, there seems to be a real <laughs> disconnect between uh, his posturing on the council floor and, and, and what he's saying up about your story. And, I mean, those, those gestures, those dramatic acts are important for uh, – raising awareness and raising the public's conscience in these important issues. But if you don't follow up those dramatic acts with dramatic action, it doesn't, it, it rings hollow. 
All right, so really the, the council is content to wait until, uh, until its uh, Committee on Police Conduct uh, meets the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you expect it to play out? To be honest, I'm not that hopeful. Um, the Police Oversight Committee, when it was first, uh, or not first, but reestablished uh, by Darius Pridgen, was not supposed to be an oversight committee, as its name would suggest. It was supposed to act as a support, provide uh, funds for training, and and just kind of, you know, what does the police need? How can we help you achieve that? And the meetings, you know, the, the, the members of the police oversight committee are not asking tough questions at some of the first meetings in fact they talked about training and asked well how much training are you getting in use of force what are other cities doing and how do we compare and clearly nothing has changed well the council the council uh, gave the department an extra sixty thousand dollars for training and dave rivera the the chairman who's a, a retired police detective told you that he really doesn't know what they did with the money Right. He, he doesn't know. And that tells you a lot about the efficiency and effectiveness of the Police Oversight Committee. So I hope it's brought up. Um, Pridgen and uh, Rashid White said they would bring it up at the next meeting. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But having watched a lot of hours of Police Oversight Committee meeting footage, it seems just like a back and forth and a pat on the back, and we'll see you at the next meeting. Well, Steve Brown from WGRZ and I did a, a, a package of stories uh, uh, almost two years ago on the police department's inability to solve homicides. Uh, about 25% of homicides that year had been solved by police, uh, you know, as opposed to about two-thirds nationally. And uh, I remember Steve and I going to the next committee meeting uh, a couple of months later and we were surprised to, to learn that the department that the committee hadn't even put the the issue on its agenda they eventually talked about it a little bit but much like what you've seen on the tape uh, there was no real probing there was no real demand for action you know in this in a city where um where the vast majority of the of the of the victims of homicides are are African American males, and yet the council uh, didn't really want to get in anybody's face about it. So I, I think your take, uh, you know, your lack lack of optimism <laughs> uh, is probably well placed, um, and I th- I think this may boil down to whether or not the community is going to bring some pressure to bear on their elected officials to say no. That, you know, it it seems what, one of the things I got out of your reporting was there seems to be a mindset in City Hall that um, Buffalo isn't like other places, that you can't really draw any comparisons. It's unfair. And yet police departments across the country have have kind of woken up to the fact that this is happening a lot of places and we better be proactive and, and get ahead of things rather than waiting for a tragedy to happen in, in our backyard. And Buffalo seems to almost be saying, until somebody gets shot, we really don't have to do anything more than what we've been doing all the way along. And I've posed that question. I posed that question to Wingo, to the mayor, and the response is, no, no, we're really proactive. We don't want things to, to reach 
tragic levels but if if you don't act then you you can't say that you tried to prevent it and I also think you know uh, when I've spoken to officials and and the police as well when they say well we don't have the same problems that other cities have I think community members would disagree I think civil rights lawyers would disagree and I disagree I mean looking at the lawsuits against the Buffalo Police Department both at the state and federal level would suggest that no Buffalo Police that there is a problem here and there is aggression just because we haven't been a, a headline uh, doesn't mean we don't have a problem. Very good. Well, Daniela, thanks, uh, thanks for the insights. I'm Jim Heaney, editor of Investigative Post. Thanks for listening.